if you don't have the right leadership, you're not going to get the culture you want. Mm -hmm. And it's simple to say and hard to do. Welcome back to Beyond the Ping Pong Table, where we dive deep into the innovative workplace cultures that prioritize people. I'm your host, Farron Tabrizi, and today we're joined by a seasoned leader who brings four decades of experience to the table. Mike Butler is not just a business owner, but a transformative force, having led and successfully reshaped various enterprises. In his extensive journey, Mike has unearthed profound truths about leadership, emphasizing the delicate balance of courage and humility required for success. Perhaps even more compelling is his realization that the heartbeat of achievement lies in cultivating a vibrant workplace culture. Mike is passionate about sharing his insights to help others flourish, both as businesses and individuals. Welcome, Mike Butler. Oh, thank you, Farron. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. I really appreciate it. All right. So one of one question I've been having kind of fun with as an icebreaker is, um, could you tell me your first job? Oh, okay. Uh, my first job was counting worms in a worm farm in Sacramento, California for a summer in excess of 100 degree weather. Wow. <laughs> yes. All right. And top that one. <laughs> that is We've had a couple like ice cream scoopers that were funny. Yeah, that's 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 probably the most original I've heard yet. <laughs> and how old were you oh, when you were doing that? <laughs> uh, I think I was 14 or 15. Nice. You know, I had to ride my bike to get there and that type of stuff. It's the traditional story. I had to ride my bike five miles every right? morning to go to work. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, my second job was scooping ice cream at Baskin Robbins. No kidding. Really? It was a little, a little cleaner environment. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's great. So did you grow up in Sacramento? Is that? I did. Yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. Not far. Yeah. Not... I've been in Denver since I think about 85, 85 or 86. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, um, from counting worms, how did that lead you to, uh, to where you are today? Can you give us a little bit about the path that you've taken before, um, starting your current business? Sure. Basically worked all through high school. And, and worked myself through college, paid for my own college uh, education and majored in business and uh, finance and, and, and insurance. Actually, where I went to school had a, um, a focus on insurance. So I, I, I did that too. And when I got out of college, I immediately got hired by an insurance company on the underwriting side, commercial insurance. So I, I started, you know, the corporate life. Yeah, uh, I moved from Sacramento to San Antonio to Baltimore, back to Sacramento to Denver, all in eight years, climbing the corporate ladder, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, really learning um, Ice Age leadership skills, the stuff that is so inappropriate today. Uh, but, you know, I was effective at that. And, uh, you know, along the way, there's a lot of success, but a lot of bodies lying around, too. And uh, when I got to Denver, I I left the the insurance company side and bought into an insurance brokerage firm, and that that was what I've been doing for the till I retired is owning, running, and leading commercial insurance brokerage firms. Okay. And uh, that's where I I also started becoming a student of leadership, 
uh, after um, the, the, my corporate experience because I really, I saw that there could be a better way. I didn't really know what it was, but I knew what I had experienced. And mm -hmm. it was, um, so that led me on a journey of, of really of becoming a student of leadership. And I've spent the last 30 years focusing on that. And uh, when I retired, I uh, wanted to uh, give back. And, you know, I, in the companies I've run, I've always uh, identified future leaders and uh, helped them, coach them, mentor them using real business, what was happening in the business. Mm -hmm. And so I just continued that after I retired and started working with executives and coaching and, and that kind of, uh, blossomed because, uh, nine, uh, I mean, um, the pandemic hit and, uh, you know, it just changed the, really it changed the world. It changed mm -hmm. how we do business and, uh, gave me an opportunity to really focus on helping leaders and executive teams and, and my business grew to the point where I added a partner. And so I have a business partner, Aliyah Horseman, who you've met. I think she's mm -hmm. um, she was your first introduction to us. Right. And right. Uh, so, yeah, we've we've been focusing on helping business owners uh, be really effective leaders and uh, building the cultures that they want, not the cultures that they have. That's 40 years right there. Yeah. Right there. Wow. In a nutshell. Um, so that's the executive guide. Your, your company yes. guide, right? Uh -huh. And what kind of um, businesses do you work with? Do they span a wide range or are they? Yeah, that's a great question. And people ask us that often. Uh, we don't specialize in any industry. Okay. And and actually it's, it's really fun to work with uh, a, a diverse group of clients because uh, we, we get a real feel and flavor for the diversity of the challenges that they face mm -hmm. from a business standpoint, but from a leadership and cultural standpoint, there is no difference, whether it's a commercial HVAC company or a professional engineering firm or a wealth management firm. Mm -hmm. All of the challenges they face from leadership and cultural uh, development, are, they're the same. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's just it's kind of fun to... Right. Yeah. It's people. That's what I say. It's well, if there's people involved, we can help them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when, and when did you feel it was your calling to help other businesses and leaders? Well, you know, uh, as I mentioned during my career, I would, I always identified people that I wanted to help that I thought had a path beyond what they could see. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when I, when I retired, I, I still, was you know fairly young and had a lot of energy and actually my wife and I wanted to start traveling mm -hmm. to kind of make up for me being a workaholic you know that mm -hmm. life balance stuff that we talk oh, yeah. about now oh yeah yeah well I didn't have I didn't have that uh so what happened was I I said well what can I do part-time that would still allow us to travel Mm -hmm. And it was, and I started exploring and talking to uh, friends of mine and peers and business associates. And it came down to the path of coaching, coaching CEOs and business owners and executive mm -hmm. teams. And uh, well, what happened was the pandemic hit. Yeah. And so no travel. Right. We, we weren't able to travel. Back so to that work. just meant, <laughs> oh, my part time job just turned into a full time job. Right. Right. Um, okay, so what are um, some of the common challenges that business owners and leaders 
uh, face uh, and in understanding their strengths and their weaknesses within their business? Yeah, that's that, that the answer to that question is could take hours and hours. Mm -hmm. But to just sum it up in a nutshell, uh, the the businesses that we work with uh, are in diff different stages of evolution. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so you, you have your startups and your early entry companies that ha have a different have a, their own unique set of challenges, uh, and then you have companies that are are more mature and they're growing, and the founder uh, is is getting to a plateau. They're they're actually hitting a ceiling. They're not growing at the pace they want to be. They're working harder than they want to be. They're not making any more money and they're losing talent. Mm -hmm. And what, what happens is those leaders that have the self-awareness to say, okay, I know what the problem is. It's me. Mm -hmm. I, I either need to sell. I either need to bring in a, a leader to take it where I can't, or mm -hmm. I need to hire a firm like the executive guide. Mm -hmm. And so those are the companies we work with. We only work with companies where the leader is self-aware because that is, you cannot build a culture. You cannot build a cohesive leadership team if the leader is not self-aware yeah, and, and not humble. And so, um, so right there are some of the, for us, uh, the things we look for on the type of clients that we want to engage with. And, and even when they are self-aware, there's still a challenge, you know, ego plays a big part of it. You know, right. I founded this business. I've got, I've done, made all these decisions. I've been doing good so far. And uh, so it's challenging when we come in uh, to do our work because sometimes we work just with the CEO and, and coaching the CEO because many leaders, they never went to school to become a leader, so to speak. They never went to CEO school. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to really act and behave like an, a leader. And we help them with that. Mm -hmm. uh, but that often leads to, okay, we need to be working with your executive team too. And mm -hmm. so we'll embed ourselves in our clients' executive teams and be in their meetings twice a month for three hours working on the leadership team. And that creates a whole nother dynamic because maybe some of those leaders don't want to be vulnerable. Right. All right. So we have to, we have to work through that. Right. Because again, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about leadership and culture at the same time, because you yeah. cannot have a leadership team that isn't open, vulnerable, clear about their values, model their behaviors. If they're not all in alignment on that, you're mm -hmm. not going to get the culture that you think you want. Yeah. And so that's, we, we spend quite a, quite a bit of time in that area. And then that leads to the third area of actually helping them craft what they need to do, when, how, who, in, in building their culture. You know, they have to be able to clearly articulate, you know, you've heard, you know, for decades, mission and vision, mission and vision. Mm -hmm. And most of those statements hang on a wall and not a single employee or executive team member can recite what their mission or vision is. Right. They're, they're not helpful. Right. And so we, we crafted and, and we create a clarity. We help our clients create a clarity statement. And it's simply one piece of paper. It just says, who are we? Why do we exist? Mm -hmm. How are we different? Mm -hmm. Where are we going? What are the values that guide our behaviors? Mm -hmm. And that simple document 
which uh, is really, we we used a lot of Patrick Lencioni's work. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's he wrote Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And he's oh, yeah. A very it's a great book. famous leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use a lot of his work uh, mm-hmm. in, in developing that document. And that, that helps the leadership team. It, it's a roadmap. And it helps them hold accountable. So we use that to really guide the culture development. And then the fourth thing that almost always leads to is you'd be surprised, you're probably not surprised, how few businesses actually plan. They <laughs> they actually take a day off-site and yeah. do planning. Right. Very few. Wow. And it's, they're too busy. They're too busy. You know, we're too busy to take eight hours to plan, so we'll spend uh, enormous amount of money and waste and time, labor, uh, because we won't take that day to invest. Mm-hmm. And so we we really show our clients that uh, investing a day every quarter for planning is really helpful for them. And and we limit it to 12, 12 months. You know, everybody you hear, oh, we need a three and five year plan. Most businesses today are moving too fast. They're, the The environment's changing too much. A three-year plan is useless. Yeah. So we help them just how are you going to get through the next year? Mm-hmm. And then when you can get them on a cadence of that, like we have a client right now, we've done that with, okay, now we're going to spend a two days on a three-year plan. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> it, 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 it's just useless to do that with most businesses uh, in today's environment. So those are the four things we do mm-hmm. uh, at the at the executive guide. Excellent. So you emphasize the importance of uh, culture and determining success. How do you identify and reinforce core values within an organization? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, It's really how we behave. And it starts at the leadership level. How do the leaders behave? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where we often, uh, when we start with a client, they'll say, do you want to see our financials? Do you want to see our, you know, SOPs? And we're like, no, we just want to come in and sit in one of your leadership meetings. Mm -hmm. And we watch and observe how the leaders behave. Mm -hmm. And uh, how does that align with what they say they want as an organization? And almost always, there's, uh, they're out of alignment almost always. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's questions we ask, uh, do you ever, do you ever leave a meeting and talk about the meeting after the meeting? Oh yeah. We do that all the time. Do you ever leave a meeting and pull someone aside and say, Hey, you know, can you believe so-and-so said that about me? Or that's the dumbest idea. I can't believe that. You know, we call that the meeting after the meeting mm-hmm. and right there, right there, uh, um, you're just causing so much dysfunction because they go back to their departments and they complain about the leadership team meeting and there's your culture, even mm-hmm. though they've got their mission and vision up on the wall. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we really focus on developing the values and it's, we, we go off site with this and it's like, we're locked in a room. It's, we're picking our core values. We start with a hundred and we get it down to three. Yeah. And in that process, the leaders, have, when you get down to three or maybe four, then that's when you start finding out what leaders really mean by the word commitment or integrity or respect. Okay, what do you really mean about that? And what's happening in the organization right now that's causing you to pick that value? And so we end up with three or four values. 
And it's okay now. Now the hard work is you've got to model that. You have to live that. You have to walk that. Mm -hmm. And that's where we start uh, the journey of creating the type of, of culture that we want. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, and the importance of uh, communicating that throughout the organization and how much it work it takes to communicate. We have many clients that the leadership team will say, oh, yeah, we think we're doing really well. And we make really good decisions. And then when we leave our meeting, we don't tell anybody. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, when Ali and I work with leadership teams, everybody from the receptionist to the admin to every position in that company needs to be able to recite the clarity statement, who we are, why we exist, how we're different, where we're going and how we behave. Mm -hmm. And that's how we can start implementing culture. And that, that process takes about 12 to 18 months. Wow. To really embed yeah. uh, a culture uh, uh, into an organization. And again, it, it, it cannot, it just will not work unless the leader, whether it's a CEO or the owner or an executive director, the top person has to be the voice. Mm -hmm. Now, oftentimes they'll delegate the administrative part of many of these initiatives to HR. Right. And, and that's fine. But the voice has to be from the ultimate leader because everyone has to see, okay, this is real. Yeah. Um, is there a magic number or a cap at how many core values a company should have? Just out of curiosity. For us, there I've is. Seen a, a lot. For us, <laughs> yeah. For us, there is a magic number. Yeah. And it's because we've seen, we've seen so many organizations that have a lot of values and it's just all diluted. Nobody can recite them. Nobody knows what it means. Yeah. And so it's for us, it's three values, maybe four, okay. never more than four. Okay. And it's, this is how we behave. This is how we hold ourselves accountable. This is how we interact with the community. This is how we engage with our clients. This is how we engage with each other. And uh, we work with our clients to really communicate that through the organization. So some leadership teams tend to have more introverts on it than extroverts. Mm -hmm. That's a problem when you're trying to communicate consistently. Mm. So Ali and I'll work with those teams and we'll do the communicating for them. Mm -hmm. We'll attend company meetings. We'll talk about their clarity statement. We'll talk about why it's so important. And the leadership team will be there backing it up saying, yeah, this is this is where we want to go. Now, other leadership teams and leaders are maybe they, they're more extroverted and they prefer extroversion and they're very comfortable talking mm -hmm. in front of their organizations. Well, then mm -hmm. we coach them on how to deliver the message. But it's it's uh, not unusual to have leadership teams that are reluctant to stand in front of their companies and talk. Yeah, no, for sure. So we we coach them on that. Yeah, absolutely. I've definitely had a few socially awkward CEOs in my past. <laughs> so, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, they so, and they, I mean, that's, that's, you know, they were the brains behind the idea, the concept, the, the, the service, the product. They don't necessarily yeah. know how to guide a team. I totally make sense. Is there any, like, is there any, like, small, quick tips that people can start to think about when they're trying to whittle down those, that big list of core values? Yeah, it's um, it's it's interesting because I don't I wouldn't say there's quick tips, but they have to be values that you truly believe in and model, and not aspirational. 
Mm-hmm. They have to be like you're already you are doing today. it. It's already happening. Yes. Yeah. So maybe a year from now we can revisit your values, and sometimes we tweak them because they've it. mastered those values, and now yeah. they want to move on to a few others. But they have to be real. They can't be aspirational. We had a client once, leadership team, all white men. Mm-hmm. Okay, on the executive team, mm-hmm. and they were adamant that they wanted a, one of their values to be inclusivity. And we're like. <laughs> No, no, you're about as far from inclusivity as you can get. Uh, And we had to explain to them why, okay, that's an aspirational value. And we can work on that over time to uh, improve it, right? Mm -hmm. Get more diversity on the leadership team. And and that's, you know, how hard that is. That takes time. Mm -hmm. But for today, that's not you. So you can't model that. You can't live it. You can't walk it. and nobody's going to believe you. So that's not a value. So it has to be values that you truly are passionate about, truly want to be guided by, mm-hmm. truly want to be guided by. So we have organizations, for example, that um, we have a number of clients in the construction industry. Okay. Well, a lot of shame and blame and judgment in the construction business. A lot of foul language, uh, putting people down, insulting, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that happens on in the field. And we have a client uh, that has spent the last three years working to change that culture because they had that culture. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, commitment, respect, integrity were really important to them. Mm -hmm. And we would say, this is what we mean when we talk about integrity. How we talk to each other, how we treat each other, you know, around commitment. We're committed to helping you grow as a person. Not just professionally, but as an individual. And this is what it means. And we don't talk to each other like this. And so it's just, it's the values that you have to be able to reinforce and live. Mm -hmm. So those aren't really quick tips, but uh, you can't, you can't lie to yourself. Right. You can't be aspirational. I like, no, I like that. That's what you said there is just aspirational that that can't be the the start of your core values. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So um, I'd like to get a little bit into feedback culture. I think that segues pretty well. It's obviously essential for growth. How do you instill a culture of constructed feedback with your teams? Yeah, that's, uh, that, uh, that takes time. Okay. And it takes a group of individuals that are okay with learning how to become more vulnerable. Hmm. You know, it's just, you don't grow up in in the, in the business world that we've grown up in, in the last 20, 30, 30 years where you, you hid your weaknesses, mm-hmm. you know, you did not talk about what you could and couldn't do in front of your peers, mm-hmm. because that would actually be sign, a sign of weakness. Right. And we're flipping that on its head. Mm-hmm. We're absolutely flipping it on its head. And now the most effective leaders and research just continues to show this now are the leaders that are most vulnerable. And so when we can start being vulnerable with each other and creating that safe environment, right? Safe environment where we we have built, we've done the work to build trust as a leadership team because you can't be vulnerable without trust. Mm-hmm. Then we learn to say the things that we need to say to each other to help each other, all right? People think of feedback as negative. Mm-hmm. Okay, Aliyah and I, really drill into our clients. No, feedback is a gift. I care about you enough, Fallon, that I'm going to give you this feedback. 
-hmm. and it, I, I understand that it might sting a little, so I'm going to work on my delivery of it. Right. But it's because I care about you enough and I know that you want to be the best host you can be. So I'm going to give you this feedback. Okay. Mm -hmm. When we can get to a point where we can give each other feedback like that, then we're cooking with fire, right? Because then we are not wasting time on silos and politics and agenda. And we're just moving the business along quickly. Mm -hmm. That takes time. It takes time. It starts with vulnerability. Well, it starts with trust, then vulnerability, be able to admit our weaknesses and, and our faults. And, and then the a big part of this, Fallon, is emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. and uh, you know it's a big topic today just like uh culture is but uh emotional intelligence is really important in building cohesive teams and building healthy cultures because at its core emotional intelligence is simply how do our words actions and behaviors impact the people around us mm -hmm. right and so the ability to read a room the ability, uh, you know, if, if we're, if you're interviewing me right now and you can tell I'm going way off track, you can read that. You're going to pull me back in. You, you can see I'm going off the rails, right? Some people don't have that skill and, and they don't have the self, the self-awareness skill. And mm -hmm. so if you can't read other people and you can't even read yourself, you're going to have a hard time trusting and being vulnerable. So we kind of work on that at the same time. Mm -hmm. And when, and in doing so, then we start practicing how to give each other feedback. We start with really simple stuff. Mm -hmm. Where did I grow up? How many siblings do I have? You know, what was my biggest challenge as a child? And just really simple stuff. And then we start practicing uh, with our clients and we facilitate it and, and help them. And we go around and and get them to start giving each other feedback in the setting of, Okay, here's one thing, Fallon, that is so important to our organization. You have to do more of. And here's one thing I believe you need to stop right now because mm -hmm. it's harming the team and the organization. It's not helpful. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's when you go around the executive team and you start doing that uh, on a regular, the first few times, it's really scary for people, especially ones that aren't open to being vulnerable right away. But if you do that once a week, once a month for a year, teams just start giving each other feedback in real time it's a gift i want to give this to you right now the sooner i can give it to you the sooner you'll benefit from it and you'll you'll treat it as a gift even though it may really sting right because you know i care about you i care about your success i care about the team and i care about the organization that's why i'm giving you this feedback so we have to change the framework of feedback from being a negative thing like you're doing this wrong and i'm going to point it out to you to hey here's something that i think would really help you move farther along your professional path because i know that's what you want mm -hmm. so that that feedback loop is 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 absolutely critical but people weren't weren't raised that way right we learned feedback yeah. on the school ground yeah how how we got teased or you know close friends were we in a loving nurturing environment at home uh, where it was safe to talk about difficult subjects, or were you raised in a family like you don't talk to your spoken to, you don't bring up anything difficult, and you know everything is shame and blame. Mm -hmm. And so we have to help individuals really overcome that. It's there's really it's prevalent actually mm -hmm. uh, in most of the leadership teams we engage with. So that's why I say this takes 12 to 18 months. Yeah, because you don't just flip a switch and say okay, yeah, yeah. get all the feedback you want. It's like <laughs> Oh, it's going to crush me. 
yeah. if I'm not ready. For so, okay. So transparency obviously is a key to building trust. Um, how do you strike the right balance between transparency and discretion? Yeah. You know, and that starts at the CEO or the owners. It starts with them. Mm-hmm. If they're not transparent, nobody's going to be transparent. Yeah. And we've seen clients where where the leader thinks they want a certain type of culture and thinks they're vulnerable and thinks they're transparent, but we watch them get feedback and they have a physical or emotional reaction to it. Mm-hmm. That's not good. Okay, well, that just sends a message to everyone around the table in the organization. Okay, we're not going to be honest with each other. Mm-hmm. All right, so starts at the top. The leader has to be transparent. The leader has to be able to say, yeah, I really messed that up. I made that decision and it is on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, or I, we need to do this and I'm not good at it. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, Sally over here on, on the executive team, she's much better at that. Yeah, I'd rather have her lead it, that initiative and I'll learn from her on it. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, or the ability, to, the ability to say, hey, I, I have some issues at home right now family matters that are really weighing on me and I'm not at my best right now. And I would appreciate your support. So when a leader can start being that transparent, then the leadership team can be. And then the people that report to them can see that and they can be more transparent. And so that plays into, again, the trust, the vulnerability, being able to give and receive feedback. Uh, And the other thing around feedback, Fallon, that is so important, and Aline, I spend time coaching and teaching our clients on this is really active listening. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing how many people uh, are uh, waiting to speak and they're not actually listening to what the person is saying. Right. And they couldn't repeat back what the person said because they're waiting to push their agenda forward or give their thoughts. Or, so it's we help in that area too, this concept of really active listening, really mm-hmm. hearing the other person, really empathizing with them and putting yourself in their position, even if you disagree with them. Yeah. Um, How do you prioritize and enhance the overall employee experience in organizations? Yeah. Well, you're asking all the really powerful questions uh, (laughs) in in building a healthy culture. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that we, again, we start at the top with because we have leaders that, um, just naturally don't really care about other people. Mm. It's just, it's not good or bad. It's just that they're focused on results. They're focused on marketing and finance and operations and strategy, and they're not really focused on people. Well, mm-hmm. leadership is people. It gets that, that's the, that's the core of leadership. It's people. Mm-hmm. And if you can't engage with people, it's going to influence negatively your ability to lead them. And Mm -hmm. so when we talk about employee engagement, it's all about, and employee satisfaction, it's all about how engaged they feel in their organization. Do they feel like their supervisor and the people above them actually know them? Mm -hmm. Okay. Do they know that I just put my dog down? Do they know that I'm going through a divorce? Do they know that, uh, you know, we're expecting our third child and we're having trouble making ends meet? You know, do they, do they care about me? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's that's something that's absolutely critical that leaders have to take time to invest in the people in the organization so that they know they care about them 
And then the other, the other really important thing is, do I feel like my job matters? Mm -hmm. Am I being communicated to? Am I being told? Am I being shown that the work that I'm doing matters to other people? Or do I just come to work every day, punch the clock, grind out my work and go home? And I don't even know what how it impacts anyone else. Okay, mm -hmm. That's really important to uh, employee engagement and satisfaction. Uh, I once led a, a company, we had almost 400 people. So we had a number of leaders, uh, supervisors in it, managers. And I, I went to, I was talking to one of them one day and I was sharing with her, um, uh, what I was, what I had learned about some of the people that reported to her. And she said, she kind of got a little bit perturbed. She says, well, how do you know all that about the people that report to me? Mm -hmm. Because she didn't. And I said, <laughs> well, because I ask them, <laughs> you know, when I'm walking down the hall or seeing them somewhere, right. let them know I care. And that's probably the most powerful thing in employee engagement. Yeah. And we had a we had a, a client, very well-meaning, very introverted, a, a wonderful leader, very caring, but just really struggled with going out into the field and learning, asking questions about his staff. And so we've really worked with him on that. And while it's uncomfortable for him, he sees the importance of it and he's vulnerable. It's like, Hey, I, I'm not good at this, but I, I do care. And I want to learn about you. Right. That company has just grown exponentially because of that. So it's really about, you know, they say people don't leave their, their jobs. They leave their supervisor. Mm -hmm. And we see that happen all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I've been, I feel like employee engagement has come up in every conversation I've had so far. And I've learned a lot of really cool different ways that um, companies or leaders can recognize their employees. Is there any tactics that you've seen be very successful? Well, first and foremost, it's in the moment. It's day in and day out. So when we talk about that clarity statement around how we're different mm -hmm. and why we exist and how we're different. That is so crucial to employee engagement because we're able to tie what a person does. It's like, hey, Joan, you know, I really appreciate what you're doing right now. This role that you're in really helps us differentiate ourselves from mm -hmm. our competition. And let me give you some examples of what you've just done and how it's impacted the organization or our clients, mm -hmm. you know, or in one of our, our values, you know, hey, Emily, I just observed you. Uh, really modeling our value. And, and I just want to compliment you for it. And here's how it is impacting us. And mm -hmm. thank you for that. When we catch people doing things right, that's how we really uh, strengthen that employee engagement. And it's not a quarterly, oh, let's have a barbecue or, hey, everybody, stay late and we'll buy pizza for you. And right. so it's like, <laughs> nobody wants to do that. Yeah. People want to feel like they're being... Um, recognized and rewarded and then when you have a quarterly function where you're giving away really cool stuff it really means something mm -hmm. uh, but when you absent all that employee one-on-one -on -one and interest and investment in them and you just have a quarterly or semi-annual meeting people don't care mm -hmm. and so it's just it's that real time catching people doing the right things and and sh and recognizing it and rewarding that yeah Okay, so we've so talked the other thing. Oh, the other ahead. thing we do, 
yeah. uh, Farron with, with our clients around the same area is we've encouraged all of our clients to stop annual reviews. Ah. Do not do annual reviews. And is that because do, you should be waiting a year to be right. covering this yeah. information? You, know, you did something eight months ago that I want to tell you is not right. <laughs> right, right. You know? Because of that, you're getting a less raise. Why didn't you tell me that eight months ago and I could have fixed it, right. right? Right. So those are kind of going by the wayside. What we encourage our clients to do is uh, either monthly or mm -hmm. quarterly stay interviews. Mm -hmm. Not exit interviews, stay interviews. Mm -hmm. You know, how is there, when you, when you came, when you were driving to work today, what were you thinking? What was going through your mind about work? When was the last time you thought about leaving? What would have to happen here for you to want to leave your job? Mm -hmm. You know, things like that in real time. Okay, well, let's work on that. Let's fix that. What What's not happening here where you feel we're not investing in, in your professional or personal development? What could we right. be doing different? When we're talking to people real time, monthly or quarterly about that, they don't leave. Mm -hmm. Because as you know, people need their personal why met. Mm -hmm. Right. And we, so we spend time understanding, coaching our leaders to understand what's the personal why, why is that person here? They could be anywhere. Why mm -hmm. are they here? When mm -hmm. we know their why, then we could start focusing on that. Mm -hmm. And when I walk up to you in the hallway, I can ask you, mm -hmm. Hey, how's, how's it going and meeting your why? Mm -hmm. That is so powerful. Then, uh, people leaving and say, you know, and, and then telling the organization, well, I'm leaving because you don't do this for me. Oh, mm -hmm. why didn't you tell me? Because you never asked or showed you cared. Right. So it's the it's that uh, changing how we communicate with our our staff and employees and uh, in real time. Yeah, and that that really has influenced our uh, our ability to our, our clients' abilities to retain talent. Yeah, I like I love that. I think like that was that was actually the last company I worked for before going completely independent was really great about that. Like there was no surprises. It was, you were, you were praised. I remember going in with my speech ready on why I deserve X amount raise and didn't even have to have that conversation. One thing I did like that they did though, is they did um, the 360 reviews, which I think is really effective. Do you have any thoughts on 360 yeah. reviews? Yeah. And we help, we help our clients with 360 reviews. Okay. What, uh, and, and we've done that and it is really important, right? But again, the more trust there is within the organization, the more mm -hmm. vulnerability, the more transparency, the more meaningful those re 360 reviews actually are. Got it. Right? I think you've seen them. I've seen them where, oh, it's time for me to really say everything I hate about that person. Right. And no one has to know it was me. Right. right. <laughs> those are useless. So what we try and do with our clients, Fallon, is we try and shift away from 360s and building this culture where we're actually allowing time, specific time to give each other feedback face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. I trust you enough. I don't need a blind survey. Mm -hmm. I trust you enough. And I know you care about me enough. You're just going to tell me what you think. When we're at that level, we have a culture of trust, vulnerability, and transparency. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that takes a long time to build that right but yeah. we try and shift to where we're actually saying things to each other mm -hmm. rather than blind surveys yeah makes sense okay so we've talked about a lot of things from trust transparency feedback values 
where, like, where should people start? Where should, you know, when one is trying to look at improving or growing their organization, would you say there's one, like one place to start? Well, first and foremost, it's self-awareness. Mm -hmm. There's so right. much uh, communication and talking points about culture in social media today, right? So much. But for a business owner or executive to actually say, yeah, I, I want to be vulnerable enough to actually do that. Mm -hmm. There's a big, there's a gap between all the talk around culture and the leader that actually says, I'm willing to do what I need to do to yeah. get there. Yeah. And so the first step is, is self-awareness. The first step is self-awareness and being vulnerable and transparent enough to say, I need help because I'm not building the culture that I really want. Mm -hmm. And I need help in doing that. That's the first step. Yeah, that makes, makes total sense. All right, I have um, one question that I wanna ask, a little bit of a curveball, but um, because I have a video background and I work with companies, um, is in today's digital age, video communication obviously plays a significant role in connecting and communicating. Have you seen video used in any interesting ways or have you implemented video in any ways? Uh, I have not, I have not, but I do see the value in it, especially with, especially with um, remote workers, mm -hmm. you know, and really communicating a consistent message yeah, uh, that doesn't get diluted, yeah, you know, through the telephone game. Yeah. And so I, I, I video plays a, a big role in that. I think it plays a big role in, in social media in attracting the type of clients that you want. And, uh, you know, I've seen and some of yours yeah. do a really good job on that. And yeah. so I think it's, it's part of the future. Absolutely. Yeah absolutely part of the future. Awesome. Well, this has just been a wealth of information. And if anyone wants to learn more about the executive guide or get in touch with you, is there, where should they go? The executive guide.net. That's Perfect. our website. And, uh, or they can reach me at Mike at the executive guide.net. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. All right. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And thanks for your interest and commitment to leadership and culture. Yes.